What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Luami Richardson. And on this special episode of Just My Thoughts, I have a candid conversation with my brother and mentor, Dwayne Lemon, as we talk about mental health within the black community. Roughly about 37 million people identify themselves as black or African-American in the United States, and the black community has made enormous contributions to the ongoing fight for social, racial, and economic justice. But despite these efforts, true social justice, especially amongst the black community, will remain incomplete until mental health disparities amongst this group are addressed. Mental health is an essential part of an overall physical health and satisfaction and the black community suffers from an increased rate of mental health concerns, including anxiety and depression. So I hope you that you enjoyed this discussion that I had with Dwayne Lemon, director of PTH Ministries and former hip hop choreographer, as we have this conversation on mental health and how Addressing this issue will better the black community. Enjoy. All right. Hello, everybody. Just want to say thank you so much for joining. As you guys can see, um, today we're going to talk about mental health in the black community. I am privileged and honored to have a, one of my big brothers, mentors, uh, Brother Lemon, Dwayne Lemon, to be exact, to join me on this important topic. Brother Lemon, how are you doing? How, how's everything going with you, my man? I'm doing fantastic, man. Giving God thanks. Doing great. Yes, yes. I know you're a busy man. So the fact that you was able to take some time to share an important topic that we both talked about, um, I believe mm -hmm. will be a blessing to a lot of people who will be watching now or be watching later. Um, but I just, for those who may not know who Dwayne Lemon is, can you share just a little bit about yourself, what you're currently doing? And yeah, what, what you're currently doing. Then we'll ask a little bit about your, your background and your history. Okay, so then I'm gonna just go into what I'm currently doing now. Yeah. Um, presently, I am what is considered a self-supporting gospel worker. Um, pretty much I'm an evangelist. I travel throughout the US. I've had the privilege of traveling internationally and I go about sharing the everlasting gospel as revealed in Revelation 14, six through 12 with those who don't know it. And um, I've met with many individuals that would be classified as youth, young adults. Of course, we have our uh, adults and we have our senior citizens. I've worked with people in multiplicity of denominations. And I also am very, very much working in lines of what's called gospel medical missionary work. And that is where you combine the gospel, but you also combine principles of health and you meet the needs of people in a very practical way, whether they're suffering with sickness and disease or if they are battling with challenges with the mind and uh, even beyond that, if people just need practical help in life, you know? So it's a work that I do and I'm privileged to do it largely with my family, especially with my wife, Alexandra. And uh, we've been doing this now for about a good 12 years full time. That's all that we do. And uh, it's been the best 12 years of my life. All right, now, now before you became this, you know, uh, worker of the gospel, there's a little story mm -hmm. to you, you know, there's a little history. Uh, you want to mind sharing oh, yeah. a little about your background before you became this, you know, essential gospel worker, as we would call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, before that, before I, I gave my heart to Christ and everything, I was uh, I was born and raised in New York, Hollis, Queens, New York. Anybody who knows New York, especially Hollis, Queens, New York, you know, we call that the, the run DMCville. It was the, you know, the center of of hip hop. And I grew up in the hip hop community and I was really involved with uh, dancing. I did a lot of dancing, a lot of choreography, and I would just do it like, you know, at parties, clubs and, you know, any type of, you know, opportunity that I could just show off the talent. But then when auditions started hitting, then I started going to them in Manhattan. And when I did, before you know it, it turned into something where I was now uh, working with the stars. Literally, I was dancing with celebrities and uh, people like Queen Latifah. You know, this is, you know, my day and age. I'm 48 right now. And so, you know, going back a little bit in the 90s, it was like Queen Latifah, Heavy D, um, Wu-Tang Clan, Busta Rhyme and the Tribe Called Quest. You know, these were the guys that were real prominent in those days. And I was dancing with them and we were doing music videos and traveling. And, you know, it for, at that time in my life, I thought I arrived you know, coming just from inner city lifestyle. And now here it is, what I used to watch on TV, now I'm on TV. I mean, that was huge. 
So yeah, before I, I gave my heart to Christ and you know began doing ministry and all these things, I was very much involved in the hip hop and R&B industry and the culture, the whole lifestyle. And uh, at that time, I loved it until the Lord got a touch on my life, and you know everything went in a different direction. Now, now usually, right, we glorify the positive of hip hop, right, and the the glory and the glitch, you know, the 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 glamour and the riches and the fame, but even in your backdrop, yeah. right? even in your in your abundance of being able to mingle with the top hip hop artists during the '90s, there was a certain situation that happened with your nephew. I would like, you know, that 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 shows the ugliness and the darkness of that industry. And I, I just wanted to, uh, if you could share that, because we are going to address the issue of mental health, and and I believe that this is something that was is pivotal to understand, especially those young brothers and sisters within that community oh yeah for sure um you know my 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 desire was to find myself i'm, I'm pretty much like i would think a lot of young people today you know when you don't know who you are as a person why you were created what is your purpose in life you seek after it and you try to find your relevance anywhere you can so for me dancing became an avenue of expression and as a result of that when I found myself getting engrafted into the hip hop culture and hip hop community, you know, when people would applaud and cheer me on and all those things, I equated that to being special. I equated that to being relevant. And then on top of that, when I get a chance to work with these celebrities now, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I've really arrived because I've done something that most people from my neighborhood didn't accomplish. So I had a certain mindset that now I'm relevant. Now I'm special. Now you know, people love me and all this other stuff. But when I went on tour, it's when the cameras are off, man. Like you said, that's that's when a lot of stuff goes down that people are not aware. Uh, people will let you, you know, as an example, I remember, you know, I'm a dancer. I'm, I'm a choreographer. I'm a performer with some of these artists. And I remember when uh, it was with Queen Latifah, there were these guys that were called roadies. And a roadie was somebody who carried bags. That's all they did. They literally would carry your bags from off the bus and to the hotel or whatever. Roadies. So I remember we we got somewhere and I'm feeling special, man, because I'm just like, you know, I'm a dancer. I'm a choreographer. I'm working for the artist. You know, I'm feeling like the man, quite honestly. But here it is that they they're the roadies actually told me, hey, grab the bags and carry it to the hotel. And I look like uh, you got your roles mixed up. I'm the dancer choreographer. You're the Excuse roadie. Excuse me. And I remember that the roadie, it, yeah, it was kind of like that. Like, Excuse me, who do you think you are? But I remember that when they did that, um, next thing you know, Latifa came in and she was like, listen, you do what the roadie tells you or else we'll leave you here. And you know, I was like in some state that I've never been in before. And I was like, Oh, how's that? You know, I, I felt like that was like stabbing in the back, so to speak. It's like you taking the roadie side over your dancer side. Mm. And so I really got reminded very quickly that the special guy that I thought I was and the arrival of fame that I thought I had, I was actually being told, actually, just remember, really, you're not all that. It's like, you know, when the cameras are on, I'm going to highlight you all. But when the cameras are off, I'm going to put you in your place in a New York second and I'm going to let you know where you stand. And so I found myself in several conundrums. Like, you know, when I met, when we met with Flavor Unit, which was one of the organizations with uh, Latifah, as an example, you know, she said, I don't want anybody having sex with girls. I don't want anybody smoking weed. I don't want you doing anything like that. Remember, you're representing me. You're representing Flavor Unit, which was the record label. And I remember I was like, wow, this is nice. You know, I like this, you know, integrity, you know, people carrying themselves with some dignity. I love that. Man, when we got on that tour, you know, she came on the she came on the bus with a blunt in her own mouth, you know, with weed in her mouth. Like, hey, listen, don't worry about that. That was just for the executives. And, you know, and it was just kind of like, huh? And she said, mm -hmm. do whatever you want, you know, have sex, do whatever, smoke, whatever. So what a lot of people don't understand is sometimes when you when you see it on the screen, there's a lot of fronts that have to be put up because you're very much in the public and you got to carry yourself in, the, in a certain way. But when the cameras are off, you really see a lot of darkness. You see a lot of stuff that the hip hop and R&B industry does not glorify because if they did, it would become something that would turn a lot of people away from it. 
you know, we don't talk about the bloodshed. We don't talk about the thievery. We don't talk about the degrees of whoredom, the way girls, I mean, are treated like less than meat. I mean, meat, a steak would get more respect than a woman many a times in this type of industry and culture. So I saw all of that. And after a while, I started getting a little turned off, but I made good money, you know? And of course, at that time, I didn't have God in my life. So pretty much money was my God. I'll do whatever I had to do to get it. So my nephew, Charlie, was like, Uncle Dwayne, I want to get in the industry like you. I want to make money like you. And I was like, okay. And at that time, you know, it wasn't hard to make like $35,000, $40,000 in a month. You know, so that's the kind of money, you know, you could make in like the 90s. And this is as a dancer. You know, yeah. this is as a choreographer. So anyhow, when my nephew Charlie wanted to get into the industry, I, I, I tried to get him in. But nobody paid any attention to him because he was trying to dance, but he wasn't as good a dancer. So the bottom line is Charlie ended up reverting to other efforts, which was common in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York at the time. And that was selling drugs. And the night that Charlie sold drugs was the night he got gunned down and killed, shot two times in his forehead, three times in his stomach with a nine millimeter Glock pistol. And it was by one of his so-called friends. And so when my nephew got killed and I was at his funeral, I can remember lots of times people told me to give my heart to Jesus, surrender my heart to God and all these things. And in my mind, I was like, nope, I don't have time for that. But when Charlie's casket went down into the grave and, you know, I'm crying and I'm weeping, I'm calling out for his name. When we got into the limousine, that was the first time I heard a voice. And it was it was very clear, man, like as clear as you can hear my voice right now. That's how clear his voice was or this voice was. And the voice said, will you accept me now? Will you accept me now? And even though I never read a Bible or anything like that, in my mind, I said, this must be God. I just concluded that this must be God. And so I said to myself, yes, I will accept you now. And that was the first time that I actually gave my heart to the Lord. And, I, you know, I said, Lord, you know, OK, take my life. And so I look at my nephew as like a seed because, you know, when a seed goes into the ground, the seed must die. But there's a life power that comes out of that seed that ultimately brings out, you know, great fruits and things that we love to eat and enjoy today. And my nephew was like the seed that went down into the ground and died, but life was birthing in my heart at the same time. And this is how I ended up giving my heart to the Lord. So, I mean, now that you kind of approach, you know, as you're talking about your your, your past and, and being in hip hop, you know, being in the industry, being a, a making pretty good money, you're seeing that your nephew looked up to you and unfortunately, because of his unfortunate death, God allowed that opportunity to speak to you and, and give your heart to him. And now you are completely renewed. You are, are, you know, working within a field now that you never thought you would ever work in. But, you know, Brother Lemon, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, now that you've given your heart to Jesus, all your problems gone away. Right. Like there's no more problems that, you know, everything is good. Right. And and I yeah, <laughs> and I'm, right. I'm saying that facetiously because. So often, especially within the black community, we 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 look at these celebrities and we deem this success, not realizing that there's a there's a there's a there's something, you know, what I'm saying there's something ugly, right? That that you have to compromise your belief system in order for it in order for you to achieve this greatness, and even involves death to someone you love and care for. And so oftentimes you leave this and your past is done away with, but that tragedy. It's still embedded in your mind. Now that you've given your heart to Christ and you have been able to travel all around the world, one of the my favorite speakers, right? And and one of the, in my opinion, one of the most influential people that I have met within our circle. Mm-hmm. We've had these conversations where in our Christian walk, there's still moments where we still battle with these demons of darkness, these, these, these thoughts of. Yeah anxiety or, you know, depression, you're not good enough. I I want you to speak on that because so often we say, hey, I give my heart to Christ. All problems are dissolved. I have no issues no more. How how has that transition from being in the church, I mean, from being a hip hop influencer, a dancer into now being in a church and 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 traveling all over the world and and, and people requesting you, you know, at at a high demand. How how has your mental health impacted you from that transition into now? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. Um, 
the Bible is actually very clear on something that I can definitely speak from experience. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, it says, if any man shall live godly in Christ Jesus, he will suffer persecution. When you strive to live for God, you are going to be persecuted. And you're going to be persecuted, yes, by people, which I have definitely been persecuted by people, but you're going to be persecuted by the chief persecutor, which is Satan himself. I mean, before I gave my heart to Christ, I was I was basically rolling with Satan. I was doing his will, obviously turning to Christ. Now I'm seeking to do God's will. But now the devil comes along as a chief persecutor. And the number one place that the devil likes to persecute is the mind. That's why the Bible talks a lot about the mind. You know, um, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus or uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or Proverbs 23, my son, give me your mind and let your eyes observe my ways. Why is God so vested in our minds? It's because it's the number one place of attack. It's where the devil wants to try to take residence because as I think in my mind, so I'm going to function in my actions. Whatever goes on in my mind is going to come out of my mouth. And so no doubt that when I made a decision to follow God, my problems did not decrease, they increased. But... The reason why I today can say, oh, no, but I have peace or I have joy in the midst of various challenges and problems is because I found out how to fight. And, you know, Christians need to understand when you when you give your heart to the Lord, you're basically entering into warfare and your chief enemy is going to be the devil. Yes, the devil can have agents. He can have people. But the chief enemy is the devil himself. He's going to do everything he can to try to mess with your head. And so when I came into the church. I began learning new ways of life. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. And the old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. The more that I kept learning the new way of life, this thing called Christianity, I started discovering it's combating, it's fighting against old ways of life. It was fighting against the way that I normally would do things. I mean, you get me mad, I curse you out. It was just that simple. But now... When you get me upset, Christianity taught, love your enemy, you know, pray for those that persecute you, etc. So I found myself, number one, in a mental war, just trying to understand how do I live this new life when all I was used to is this old life? Hmm. So some of my mental wars started just by understanding that there's a there's a new way of living that's, again, it's new, meaning I've never done it before. And I don't know how to do that. And so I had to actually start learning about prayer. I had to start learning about letting the Bible provide counsel to me when I'm going through certain mental struggles, like God telling me to pray for an enemy when normally I'd fight an enemy, you know? Mm -hmm. So there are many layers to what I see as far as mental attack or mental battles that would come to us. So one layer was just the fact of learning new things. When you learn something new, especially a way of life, a way of eating, drinking, dressing, uh, 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 you know, communicating with others, etc., it's a new way of life. And sometimes you're going to go through some battles just on that alone. You're going to be like, okay, how do I do this? The Bible presents promises that Jesus can actually do something very special. The Apostle Paul talked about it in Galatians 2 and verse 20. He said, I'm crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. But it's not I, but Christ that lives in me now. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I actually live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What does that mean? That means that when I have issues in my life, there's always going to call for a reaction, right? Life is largely about reaction and not necessarily action. Stuff comes to you and you got to ask yourself, how do I react to it? So the first mental battle that I went through was learning how to react when life would deal to me its drama. When I would discover something that I can no longer do because I'm now in the new way of life, that was one mental battle that I had to go through. And that was a pretty vicious battle. And quite honestly, that battle still continues today. So there's some battles that's just going to continue throughout your journey. Self wants to do one thing. God wants you to do another. And then you got to go ahead and deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Christ. So there was some of those mental battles that I went through. Right. But then there's other battles. And some of these battles were very real, man. Like sometimes you just would have negative thoughts 
negative thoughts about yourself. A big thing for me is when I was in hip hop and when I danced and when that crowd clapped and was cheering, that was a communication to me. You are relevant. Mm. You are special. Mm. You are great, etc. So once I walked away from that old lifestyle and now I'm entering into Christianity, where's my audience now? Where's my crowd? Who are the people to tell me that I'm special? So those were moments where Satan would come in like a flood, man. These thoughts would come in. You're not special. You're not significant. You're stupid. You actually walked away from where you were significant. Now look at you. If you weren't anybody before, now you're doubly nobody now. So you're flooded with these negative thoughts, just constantly coming in, speaking to your lack of value. You know what I'm saying? And so as a result of that, I had to deal with that battle now. Like, where do I find my relevance? Because I was finding it in the street. I was finding it in hip hop culture. Now, where do I find it? I had to learn again, man, that God was trying to show me, Dwayne, where else do you know somebody that would give their best for wicked people? Where do you know any, any, who else do you know that will reflect this story of the cross and show you that I value you so much that I gave my only begotten son that you don't have to die, but that you might live. I didn't, it was too hard for my mind to understand at that time, you know, my value as it relates to the cross, because I kept looking for approbation from people. So I had to go through that mental battle. And I mean, the list just goes on. So you you, you jump in anytime you want. Yeah, I no, no. And, and I'm glad that you brought that point up because at least in me, I, I remember <laughs> I was in, when I was doing my past dirt, right? I tried to find significance within the things that I was doing, whether it be basketball, you know, the, the, the clubbing, the drinking, all that stuff, right? And now I transition yeah, yeah. to the same line of work that you're that, that we're doing, that we're both a part of. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's this, wow, you're a powerful preacher. Wow, your testimony is great. And, and the validation that you may not necessarily have gotten outside, I noticed that I'm now getting it within the current work that I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, when I don't receive it, it's like, where do I find my valid my my my, my validation? You know, I, I need to hear the amen. Right. I need people to to I need people to like my status, and and people don't understand. Once you find out who you are, right, your identity, who you are in Christ, most importantly, your purpose, you're not then allowing yourself to be a mental slave to the applauses of man to validate who That's you right. are. And we've had personal right. conversations, brother Lemon, where I'm just like, yo, I. I, I don't know how to navigate my faith all the while knowing how I'm dealing with this, this pressure of, of anxiety and, and expectations of man, the expectations of what God expects from me, my own expectations. And you're walking this fine line and it seems like you're alone. No one understands. And it leads to a, the anxiety is connected to depression and it leads you to a state where just like, nobody knows my struggle, man. Brother Lemon, yeah. I see you traveling all around the world, man. Your beautiful wife, your kids, man, you're doing successful. Everybody's requesting you all the while. You're in this in this dark place that no one knows what you're experiencing. And more importantly, who you reach out to don't fully understand what you're experiencing. This is prominent within the Black community, as you know, because there's so many young brothers and sisters who are trying to find their identity, their purpose within you know, the, you know, as a rapper, as a basketball player, as a football player, as whatever it is. And then when they don't receive it, they navigate to drugs or, or, you know, selling of drugs or whatever it may be. I want you to share a little bit about your experience with that mental pressure of not only the expectations you have for yourself, but how being, how, how that led you to a dark place, even in your Christian walk, because so often we think, Hey, once I give my heart to Jesus, there's no more problems, but you, specifically addressed how do i react that's one attack now i'm trying to find validation that's one and and you're trying to find that but there's other factors what are some things that you've experienced in your walk with god especially now in ministry that you realize that you were in a dark place and how did you overcome it and what caused that uh caused you to get to that to that point And, and you know i appreciate you asking this question because the word cause is very, very key. We're told, you know, there's a beautiful statement from one of the wisest kings who ever walked on this planet, King Solomon. And he said in Proverbs 26 and verse two, he said, as natural as it is for a bird to fly 
and as natural as it is for a swallow to wander from place to place, he says, so it is just as natural that a curse never comes without a cause. Mm. And whenever we're going through a battle of life, you got to think about what's causing this. What, what is mm. causing this problem? There are basically four things in the world of psychology, at least four things in the world of psychology of causes to mental health decline. You know, when people just start going through anxiety and, you know, uh, depression and many of these type of things. One is environmental, two is biological, three is psychological, and number four, which is not often mentioned in, in, in traditional psycho psychology teaching, but number four is just as true, and that's spiritual. These are the four causes of why people typically fall into various points of mental decline, is biological problems, phys uh, psychological problems, environmental problems, and then spiritual problems. So, so, so I, I want to the stop you right there because because that those four things impact the black community and so much. We talk about mental health, but in in the context of exactly in the black community. So, so I just wanted to because those if we can identify, then we can really address the issue within the black community. But yeah, continue. I just wanted to. So, th so this is the point. So it's it's kind of like you're going ahead to go backwards. You know, if we're really going to help solve the problems. Of, of mental health issues in the black community, especially, we gotta address those four issues. We gotta address spiritual, we gotta address biological, we gotta address psychological, and we have to address, of course, environmental. You, you gotta hit all four, because if you don't hit all four, you're gonna have like holes, pockets. I used to study martial arts, and all, all you needed in martial arts was a little opening on someone's defense. And if there's just a little opening, you can get in through that opening and you can actually damage the person. So it's imperative that when Jesus came, he came to make people whole. When we minister to our black communities, our goal is to make the people whole. We have to address that emotional, you know, we have to address the biological, psychological, environmental, spiritual, the whole nine yards. Well, when it came to myself, I realized that I had brought with me into my walk with God, even into ministry. I brought in certain habits, or shall I say, I carried on certain habits that I never surrendered. You know, I didn't even I didn't even know it. I mean, when the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? That is a most that's probably one of the deepest statements in all of scripture, is that our hearts cannot be trusted for a moment. Very, very deceitful, meaning you could deceive yourself. That's what I was doing for a large portion of my ministry. I'm thinking that I'm surrendered to God. I'm thinking that all is well. And you hit a big nail on the head. You talked about how even in ministry, sometimes it's the likes, it's the loves, the heart, it's the applause, it's the praise. I mean, imagine doing a sermon and putting it up on Facebook and saying, hey, everybody, just finished doing this message. And you get like no likes and you get zero <laughs> hits on YouTube. You know, I mean, all right. There's some people right now that can't handle that. You know, yeah. they yeah. can't handle that. But when you put something up and you see 800, 1,000 likes and you see like thousands of subscriptions, man, there's a at least there's a little voice that's telling you, see, you're relevant. Mm -hmm. See, you're special, man. Look at that. They like you. They're subscribing. So what happens when they unsubscribe? What happens when their likes turn into those laughing, silly faces on, you know, Facebook? What happens when people no longer are just commenting and saying you're great and the majority of the comments are saying you're an idiot? You don't know what you're talking about. That's going to be the real question and the real challenge for a lot of us. So anyhow, the reality is, is that I'm thinking that I'm strong with God. I'm thinking that I'm good with God. But I ended up having a waking moment for me that really, I mean, it, it changed my life forever. And it was in the year 2016, not very long ago, in ministry, all these years, mm -hmm. uh, known all over. I mean, I would go to countries sometimes and, you know, we'll sit at a place in, 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 the, in, in, in the field on a beach or somewhere and people will turn on the radio and I'm in another country and they'll turn on a radio and I'm like, that guy's voice sounds familiar. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they're like, Brother Lemon, that's you. And I'm just like, are you serious? I'm, and, only, you know, I'm only laughing. Who has ever known me? 
I'm only laughing because that happened what? to me. I was having a conversation and he's like, your voice sounds familiar, aren't you? And I'm like, my voice? Like, yeah, so I'm laughing at what you're telling me because yeah. Yeah, it gets yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, who would have known? You know, <laughs> you're literally being listened to, played, viewed, contacted all over the world. And you're like, you're a kid from Hollis, Queens, New York. I like, how did that happen? You know, so it, it kind of blows your mind. You know, it blows your mind. You're like, wow. God is good and, and so on. But all along, while you're ministering to others and people are blessed by you all over the world, when I discovered that I had a problem with my heart, when I was a child, I had rheumatic fever and I had that bacteria can do damage to your valves, especially your mitral valve. And even though I was eight years old when I had that, they say that thing can show up, you know, decades later. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. At 44 years old, I'm finding out that I had a problem with my mitral valve and I have to undergo open heart surgery. For some reason, Luami, when I found out that it's possible that I could die, you know, cause hey, when you get open heart surgery, there's definitely a risk factor, you can die. I noticed that my thoughts started going very negative. All of a sudden, it just felt like every day I would walk outside, there was this dark cloud just following over me, just following over me. And just, I would hear at least 500 times in a day, you are out of the favor of God. You are going to die. You are never going to preach again. You are worth nothing, etc. And I would listen to this voice over and over and over again. And for the first time in my life, I, you know, consciously understood that I was going through anxiety and depression. I mean, my wife will tell you, man, there were times I'd be sitting in my room and I would just literally be crying, just crying. And she was just like, honey, what's wrong? And I'm just like, I don't know. And, and you know, I would start driving uh, past a cemetery. And if I drove past the cemetery, I couldn't help but to see envision, you know, my family walking behind a casket and I'm in the casket, you know? And it was just like, and literally I was like, where are these thoughts coming from? And, and this I just is a battle, not and this is a battle. I know where, I know we have a slight delay. This is the battle that many people don't know where prominent speakers like yourself or people on TV, celebrities, they don't, they only see what they see. And they don't realize that this is sometimes a battle that they're having in their own room and and crying for no reason, this dark cloud, these negative thoughts. That, and it takes a lot of time and energy to combat those negative thoughts. And it can and it gets to the point where it's so overwhelming that you start to believe that. And I want and I, and this oh. is why I wanted to talk about this topic, because so often like I want to let people know that you're not alone, especially those within the black community like especially what we're addressing, like this is a serious issue that many people on the outside says, man, you're smiling, you have a good job, everything is okay. But those moments that you just described, Brother Lemon, is real for so many people. I just wanted to stop that. And, and, yeah. and, and I appreciate this. This is why I, I tell young people today, I'm like, look, if you guys got a mother and father in your life that wants to pray with you in the morning or they want to uh, you know, share with you counsel from the word of God, or when you run into problems, they pray about it. They open up scripture and they try to see if there's principles in there that can be applied to the situation. I tell young people, I said, you have no idea how blessed you are. You have no idea how blessed you are because I did not grow up with that. And there are moments in your life, man, where you need to go back to certain foundations to deal with the crisis that's in front of you. And the problem is, if you have no foundation, then what can even the righteous do? And mm. that's the problem, is a lot of us don't have a strong foundation of what enables you to stand when everything goes crazy in your life. What is it that enables you to maintain a level-headedness? What is it that allows you to maintain your focus and not to lose control and lose heart when the issues of life comes because everybody loves the lg everybody loves life's good everybody loves it when life is just fine but we know and, and we're living in a season right now where life can throw some pretty serious boomerangs COVID 19 was a massive boomerang you know our brothers george floyd and ahmed arbery and brianna taylor and many many others you know we forget about amadou diallo's and all of that you know we, we can go many many years back of seeing this stuff and you know you start to feel like okay so if i can't trust man then who can i trust and so for yeah, me, yeah. when I look at what was going on with myself, I realized I've been having more trust in me 
and more trust in people than I ever had as a trust in God. And when I needed people to be there for me and they couldn't be there for me, that drove me crazy. Like literally, it drove me crazy. Yeah. My, my wife, my wife will tell you that my wife and children will tell you, and we're actually going to do something about this on, on our YouTube channel. We're going to actually do several programs dealing with the family, the home, home dynamics. But um, in 2016, you have to understand, Jared, Kayla, Caleb, and Jada, my four children, as well as my precious bride from my side, Alexandra, all they've ever seen in Dwayne Lemon was a strong man. That's all they've ever seen was a strong man. Strong so when they strong saw the black man, strong black man. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And when they saw that, and then they saw this weak black man. Hmm. When they started coming in a room and being like, uh, hey daddy, and, and they want to talk to me, and they be they see me weeping and crying and coddled up, you know, in, in, in some trembling type of fear. And then when you would say, Daddy, what's wrong? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I just need you to leave me alone right now or whatever. And you're just kind of hobbling in your own sorrows and your anxiety. Man, it rocked their world. I'm serious. I wish I wish so much I could give my children a platform that, you know, I could put the mic to them and say, what were you going through when you watched your father go through that? And I mean, it caused tremendous damage because the man that they thought would never become weak was now the man that was battling with weakness and the deep part was none of them knew how to really deal with that man brother so, Lemon, you just said something so profound because your mental health being as a black man and the head of the household affected right. your children yes so, sir you know, so so the absentee fathers right within the black community that we so we know that we have to talk about like that takes a toll on the children, right? Like not having in a bigger way than we know. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, bigger I, just, than we know. I wanted to emphasize that because it's like your mental health affected the very family, the children that you was responsible of taking care of. They didn't know what to do. And so that's right. It, yeah. Because it's kind of like it's kind of like dad, dad is a strong tower to them. You know, in other words, they have not found their individual personal you know, walk with God as much yet. I mean, they have it, but to a degree, there's still a little bit of leaning on, on father and mother to understand their ways of life and so on. So when they saw dad, who was like a, a strong tower, when they saw dad going down, it was kind of like they were going down because you were the one that we could count on that you were going to keep me straight. And now you can't keep me straight. Mm -hmm. So if you can't keep me straight, who's going to keep me straight? And now it's easier to veer off into other suspect behavior. And so these are the kind of things that happens in our communities through and through. And at least daddy is there. How much how much more is a young person impacted if daddy's not even there? Right. You know, and, and it, it just gets worse. So the long story short, man, is that this is real stuff I was going through. And I realized that, again, biologically, yes. There were certain things that was off, you know, I mean, you can get off hormonally, you know, there's some things that you have to get. Again, when you're dealing with mental health, you have to pay attention to the biological. You have to think about, am I hormonally balanced? What things promotes good hormones? You know, you talked about getting things right. You know, number one, if you don't get enough sleep, that'll mess with you. I mean, that will throw you off. Hormonally, you got your serotonin, you got your melatonin. You, I mean, you have all sorts of things that happens with your body when you sleep. And when you don't get enough sleep, that thing will mess you up more than you know. It'll mess with your head, let alone. There's a really good book by Dr. Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep. It's called Why We Sleep. Y'all should get that book. You need to get that book. I, I, I heard mean, it. I've, did, I've heard, yeah. This you're the fifth person who has told me I need yeah I'll purchase it today. I now, bro, that's that's more than two to three witnesses. So now you being hard. You need to go. <laughs> I'll buy it. I'll, I'll purchase it. I'll purchase it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I really, it. it's it's like you don't pay attention to the biological side, man. We need we need that tryptophan. We need to get good rest. We need to get out there in sunlight so that serotonin goes up. We need when it's time to go to bed to make everything dark so we can start going down to sleep. I mean, seriously, it, it helps with mental health. 
your eating habits, your drinking, your hydration. So I had to pay attention to that. So literally, I'm going through all this stuff. I'm realizing that biologically, I was off. Ministers have a big problem with this. We travel so much. We do so much. We neglect ourselves in the process. We're not, we, we have the audacity, and I'm including me. I say we. Um, I remember in 2018, I gave a message at Heartland College, and it was called uh, When You Have Nothing Else. And, and I, I went to some... I went to some serious stuff on that message. I'll just leave it there. Yeah. But my point is, biologically, we have to understand, even as ministers of the gospel, you got to get your sleep, man. You got to drink your water. You got to keep your body healthy. Because when your hormones get off and you start going through stuff, you can act like a very why, different why are you person. Me, bro, like this is it, you ain't supposed to be talking at me right now, man. <laughs> listen, listen, and I'm only saying this because, as you know, the climate that we're living in with this, with, with, you know, with this COVID 19 and the injustice that we see with Ahmaud Arbery and, 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 you know, George Floyd, man, brother, immediately it was like this I gotta save the world, and I have not slept, yeah, I have not been eating right, yeah. and it's like. And and going as you as just mentioned, going back to the basics, like bro, how are you gonna give to others when you haven't even given to yourself? Like you're not even resting. Right. Right? Have you even drank water today? Right. No. And so these little practical yeah. pointers we sometimes forget that is actually a cause of a lot of the stress, anxiety that we do, you know, what we do issue with. And so I'm I'm taking notes. Okay. I'm listening, and I'm you know. There, there you go. <laughs> so again. Why We Sleep, Matthew Walker, I saw somebody put it up there, that's it. You need to get that book, Why We Sleep. Um, excellent book. But again, that, that's, that's dealing with your, your biological, right? But then of course, you know, you got your psychological. I realized I had something that a father figure in my life calls uh, stinking thinking. You know, Thomas Jackson, that, he's like, he's like my, my dad, man. And, and he, he, he often would tell me, he'd say, son, you have stinking thinking. And what that means is, is that I, I began to cultivate negative thinking. So how did the cultivation of negative thinking take place? It would be as simple as, you know, if I'm if I have an idea and I think it's great, somebody comes along and let's say they balance out my idea. They balance out my idea like, well, you know, Dwayne, if, if you think about it, if, if you do this, then what about this? What about this? What about this? Long story short, I have a great idea. Their counsel makes me feel like my idea is not so great. Rather than me saying, man, thanks for that. I appreciate that. Let me go ahead and try to make the appropriate tweaks and make this thing work. Instead, I'll be like, oh, really? That means that I'm stupid. I, I guess I can't do anything right. I, I guess it's, I guess the problem is, is that I just don't, what's the point of even trying? Forget it. Let me just forget. I guess I don't really have a purpose. And, and you start going down this thinking, thinking path. And so psychological, some of the problems that helps that brings this thing on is not only do we have to change the way we're taking care of our bodies, we literally have to cultivate cultivate a new way of thinking. You see that a lot in scripture, man. Christ wants us to think differently. Again, all those verses we've just considered, you know, the Philippians 2, 5, the Romans 12, 1 and 2, the Proverbs 23, 26, all these verses are speaking to the mind, the mind, the mind change the way you think. And so you said something earlier. I remember one time um, after my heart surgery, clearly the devil was a liar, right? Because he said I was going to die. Well, I didn't die. Yeah. So you would think you would think my thinking should be better, right? But no, after I come out of the surgery, I'm like hearing voices saying, you'll never preach again. You'll never, ever preach again. You'll never go back up and speak to the people of God. You're still going to die. It's just be in a few days, a few weeks, and you're going to have complications and you're going to go into a cardiac arrest, a heart attack, and you're going to die. And so the voices are still coming in. So one day I was sitting on, yeah, I was sitting on a bed in a hotel in, in recovery. And I'll never forget this. And I heard that voice say to me, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. And I started crying. And my wife was gone for a moment. My children were gone. So it was just me by myself, man. And I remember that I said, Lord, please help me. And I lied to you, not low on me. As clear as you can hear my voice, the next thing I heard was, you want to know what I think? Mm. And then I heard the voice again, you want to know what I think? Mm. And I just said, yes. And then literally as fast as I said, yes, Jeremiah 29, 11, 
just like that you want to know what i think you want to know what i think yes jeremiah 29 11. i went to jeremiah 29 11. these are the thoughts that i god think towards you Man. thoughts of peace and mm. not of evil and to give you an expected end god was teaching me loami if mm. you're gonna rise above mental health you're gonna need a power source that is above you mm. no person can overcome mental health issues true and true without god you're gonna need him and the reality is, is that he was able to show me, Dwayne, you have to start understanding that when you read the word of God, you got to remember it's God's word. What do people do when they speak? They use words. When you read the word of God, it's God speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And so I had to start training my mind to understand that when I read the Bible, it's not just God speaking to Jeremiah, it's God speaking to Dwayne. It's not just God speaking to Peter or James or Paul, he's speaking to Dwayne, he's speaking to Loami, he's speaking to the many others who are viewing us right now. And so I had to learn, I had to have a psychological shift. I had to change the way that I think. I had to discern the voice of Satan versus the encouraging, uplifting voice of God. And so as I began to train myself with this, I started writing out my own little Bible promise book and I would review it every day. I would take walks out in nature as much as I could. And I would just talk to God out loud, you know, and I would start just saying, Lord, you know, so I go through this and I go through that. And then these verses would come into my head and God would speak to my heart. And it was, it was beautiful, man. Mm. So now the psychological, the psychological was also addressed. The environmental, you know, sometimes we got negative environments, man. Your negative environment could be your TV. Your negative environment could be your telephone. You know, a lot of us have basically gotten the whole world in the palm of our hand, not even through 4G, but now 5G. And so <laughs> what's happening is, you know, our environment, a lot of times when we think about our environment, our surroundings, it either can be uplifting or it could be very discouraging. And so I had to really check what is negative in my environment. So my family and I had to have some talks. You know, we had to have some real heart-to-heart -heart talks with one another about doing the best we can. Especially my wife, she would talk to my children and everybody. What can we do to keep an uplifting environment around daddy, around Dwayne, while he's coming out of this? And so the environment changed. I had to watch what I was looking at. You know one thing that'll put anxiety in your heart? Going through a problem and looking up Google. <laughs> you know, Google is, is like human nature. It goes negative before it goes positive. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, it's like, you know, I got, I got, a, I got, a, I feel like I got a lump in my throat. And you type in Google, and you type You're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> Google exactly. It's like cancer, cancer, cancer. And it's just like, oh my word. And it's not a lump in your throat, man. I mean, you know, so literally I had to learn. I got to change my whole environment. I mean, I told my wife, I said, honey, block whatever you need to block. There was a time I, I was I, I was sneaking. I was like, you know, I had an anxiety moment and I was like, oh, man. And I started lifting up my phone to start looking. And my wife came up. She said, are you looking? My wife came over me. Are you looking at Google? And I was like, no, I'm just, she's on that phone. And then she took the phone away from me. And it, it's like for a period of time. I had to have somebody who was an accountability agent for me. Mm -hmm. And that was my bride, which I thank God for her being there. But sometimes if you don't have an accountability agent like your wife or your husband, because, you know, people aren't married yet. You look for that friend. You look for that brother. You look for that sister to say, look, man, I need somebody to kind of ho hold me accountable a little bit that I'm always being mindful of my environment. I'm glad you said that, because, you know, especially with this, everything that's been happening and I caught myself doing this, that you get that George Floyd killing, for example, like took a toll on me. And then you start yeah. going through this, as you said, Twitter, CNN, whatever you're watching, Fox News, and it's one news after another. And you go down this rapid and you're like, yo, why am I so sad? And I realized I've been consuming so much negative content that it literally right. affected the way that I thought, how I operated. When people ask, how are you doing? I'm like, that's a loaded question. I don't know how I'm doing. I'm not even yeah. so... I had to, and that accountability is so true. And I, at times I don't, I was like, I'm tired. Like, well, what are you doing about it? Like, have you cut off your cell phone for an hour? Have you turned off the TV? You know, have you stopped? Like, you're right. I need to cut it off 
go outside, walk. You know, I, I talk to God as well, but I make sure I have my AirPods on because I don't want people thinking I'm crazy. So I'm talking to God with my AirPods on so that way I'm communicating. But it's so true because it's like what we what we consume does really affect not only how we oh, think, yeah. but how we respond to situations and how we just look at the world at large. And, and I'm glad that you brought up that point because it's so true and so vital. And whoever's watching and, and listening, that is something that how much content are you consuming? Like cut off the TV. Like you don't need to know every detail, yeah. every single thing, because you can go down this rapid, this rabbit hole and you don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And, you know, quite honestly, I did the same thing even with coronavirus because coronavirus will drive you crazy. I mean, every it seemed as if there was so much more reporting of death, 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 death. And but it was like there was so much more life, 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 life. Mm -hmm. There was so much more living, living, living. There was so much healing, healing, healing. I mean, there was great things happening as it related to coronavirus that was not getting the top news. It was just like death, death, death. And so you know, people are running in a frenzy and, and it was just like out of control. But it was like, guys, it's a real disease for sure. We do need to watch out for some things. But quite honestly, it's not like how it's being consistently presented through many of the outlets. And mm-hmm. so it is with a lot of these agitations, including social justice agitations. It's, it's not always as the media is presenting it. And that's why it's imperative to stop, to think, and to consider your environment and say, you know what? If I'm surrounding myself with negative energy ongoing, mm-hmm. then listen, the Bible teaches a very important principle that's found in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. And it speaks about by beholding, you become changed. Yep. You know, and you got to be careful with all the negative that you feed yourself. So again, environmental is huge. I had to create an uplifting atmosphere. So what would I do? I'd play positive music, even when I'm just sitting down and relaxing i would pay play uplifting music of course in my context it would be christian music you know music that speaks about the promises of god the love of god the protection of god the redeeming nature of god you know and all of that was good for me man i created a healthy environment i was fortunate enough to 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 live out in um, a country setting you know we lived in the mountains so you know i would able to look at those mountains and those mountains would remind me of how unmovable god's love is for me you know, how how wonderful he is, how he's my refuge, you know, and it was a very encouraging environment. Finally, it was spiritual. If my brothers and my sisters are battling and we know this is serious in the black communities, especially because this is often where we see a lot of downtrodden, unfortunate realities, you know, maybe not the best neighborhood, maybe not the best food being served, maybe not the safest areas. Then on top of that, we're not only worried about people who might uh, function as uh, criminals, but we also got to worry about people who function as cops. And, you know, stress is on every hand. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Add insult to injury. What happens if there's no father in the home? What happens if there's a mother, but she's always working and you got to pretty much bring up yourself on your own? You know, these councils become absolutely imperative is that, number one, you got to address your biological. You got to do the best to take care of yourself. And that means we got to provide education. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things I was just writing out the programs for our YouTube channel. And I'm going to have a I'm going to have a program where we're just going to be going into health, just health. Like, what can you do to keep a healthy mind? What can you do to keep a healthy body? Because we got to know how to take care of ourselves, because sometimes maybe nobody else is available to tell us. So if anything else, ministers of the gospel should also have a physician component to their ministry. And so I believe that, yeah, go ahead and show the people how to take care of themselves. So take care of your biological, take care of your psychological, consider your environment, and finally, your spiritual. Loami, I had to learn how to pray like I've never prayed before. My devotional time used to be study time for presentations. Mm. That's not devotion. Guilty. That's not devotion. Guilty. Yep. Guilty. Seriously, many, many guilty. It's, uh, it's like you, a lot of us allow our, our devotional time to be our study time. And your mind functions differently when you're studying. You're looking for a lot of facts. You're looking for a lot of data. You're looking for different things. In your devotional time, man, that's like spending time with my wife. I just want to get to know her and fall more deeply in love with her. And in devotional time, that's that time for intimate connection with God. And and this is why even 
our devotional lives get stagnant because we're so, what does the Greek word have to say about Hebrew? And, and it's all this facts and data that is not even pleasurable anymore because it takes such a tax, you know, instead of, a, I'm just going to read for the pleasure of reading. And wow, yeah. it's such a difference between having that, as you said, that devotion, that devotional time that's intimate, that you're just yeah. reading to understand who God is as to oppose, let me fact check everything because I got to present this. It, it, because I realized I'm like, why don't I don't feel like studying today? Like, I don't feel like having my devotions. And I realized that a lot of it had to do with I had to get my mind prepared to strategically present this as to opposed to just I just want to bask in God's goodness and just read and have That's him. Right. And brother, that is an absolute imperative. Loami, believe it or not, man, very few ministers know about this. Hmm. It, this, this is this is a crisis. OK. <laughs> Many ministers have devotional time that's more study time to present something to the masses, etc., rather than really sitting down at the feet of Jesus and learning about the mind, character, and personality of God and how he, number one, reveals himself to us and then how he wants to reveal himself through us to others. And so when that devotional time, when I started to slow down and really get into my devotional time with God, and really look to his counsels and his love and say, wow, look at this. And now my heart would be touched of his love towards me. Then God would say, now go do that likewise to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And bro, that thing was just life changing. My communion time with God became very, very profound, very, very deep. I started to talk to the Lord and he would talk back to me through his word. I would sing like I never sang before. Yeah. I mean, every time I learned something, the mind cannot occupy two thoughts at the same time. So if a negative thought comes in my head, I'd have a song ready that would counter that negative thought. Mm -hmm. And so when that negative thought would come in, God does not care about you. I would go ahead and sing the song. God will take care of you. It's mm -hmm. like it's like I would just have songs that would just counter the thoughts. Yeah, 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 and yeah. as I'm singing, those negative thoughts have no residence in my mind. You know, it's the Bible promises. Go ahead. No, I was like, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, with everything that's been happening, you know, I, I felt strongly impressed to go back to the book of Desire of Ages, specifically the final scenes of Christ's life, right? Brother Lemon, yeah. can I tell you that I've seen the cross in a light that I've never seen before? Amen, like, and, brother. and it was not just studying. I'm realizing, I was like, I've been reading this book for how long? And Jesus was going through depression. Jesus, all he wanted was words of affirmation. Like, and he didn't get it. And yet he, he decidedly... It was as if God was speaking to me. And, and what you said was so key because what you've gathered from your intimate time with Jesus, you start looking at people differently. You start treating people. Oh, yeah. You be, become more sympathetic and empathetic to people's situations because yeah. you're spending that time with Christ. And so it's, you know, what you said is so, so uh, on point because it's like, yeah, there is this shift that takes place where, you know, if I spend that time with Christ, I see his heart for me. It's easier for me to transition that heart and treat others the way that I see Christ treating me. And, and I love how, what you said. You can't battle two thoughts at the same time. Either you're dwelling on negative or you're intentionally fighting those negative thoughts and replacing it with a positive. Because so often within our Christian faith, it's take, 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 take. And then we don't ever replace Right. And so the book yeah. of Matthew states yeah. that the, these demons are out and, and, and they come back twofold, right? Even more so yeah. because we don't replace it. So I, I love that you brought out that point because it's like, hey, this negative thought needs to be replaced with a positive thought or a positive song or something that will constantly combat because it will literally change how you view life, how you live, and more importantly, uh, how it will take care of your mental health as we've been addressing. Um, you know, I remember when my wife and I, when I was uh, feeling down and I was really out of it. And my wife said, there was a family that called and said, would Brother Lemon be willing to come by our house? We have a guy who came out of prison and he'd like to hear the gospel. And I was so down and depressed that I was like, no, nah, I don't want to go. I just wanted, I actually wanted to stay in my little, you know, comfortable, depressed condition, which makes no <laughs> sense, like you said. But nevertheless, you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. There's this contentment in being down. But I thank God again. My wife was like, honey, we're going out. We're going to go. We're going to go and we're going to go ahead and share. And I was like, 
I don't want to go. And she was just like, come on, let's just go. Give it a try. So I went. Man, I went there and shared the gospel with this guy. And I watched him hard-hearted, didn't want to hear it, whatever. And I watched that brother break down in tears, man, and give his heart to Jesus. Wow. And when I saw that happen, I was like, wow. And, you know, it just made me feel better watching him receive Christ. And then here goes God like Dwayne. That's Isaiah 58. You know, you went and you were ministering to others, helping others and so on. And verse eight says, when you do it, then shall your light break forth as the morning. Your health shall bring forth speedily, et cetera. And it was like I was being blessed while I was blessing. And so when people go through mental health, I actually encourage them. That's some of the most crucial moments in your life for selfless work. You know, you need to involve yourself in something that doesn't that is not about someone serving you, but you serving someone else. It is very, very important when you're going through mental health decline, when you're going through the anxiety and the depressions of the world. It's imperative to address not just the biological, psychological, environmental, but you got to hit that spiritual. You got to study the word of God to see what God is saying to you. You got to spend time in prayer and communion. Sing, sing, sing. Song is a weapon you can always use against the devil and discouragement. And then take some time to be an extension of God's love to somebody else who maybe is in a worse condition than you. I found the people I love to talk to most was people who were also going through heart problems, people who were also going through various battles. Man, I, I loved it. I was like, wow. And it was like they understood me. I understood them. And that thing ministered to my heart. And so the bottom line is, is that in our black communities today, we know that there's a lot that's against us and for us. You know, when I used to go through our hood, it's kind of interesting how I could see Guinness Stout and Bacardi and all sorts of things there. And when I would go into other neighborhoods, I never saw those posters. I never saw those billboards. I never saw those things. I could see going to certain neighborhoods. The food is horrible. The quality of the food is bad. But then I can go into other neighborhoods and their quality of food is good. I can go to my neighborhoods and I could see lack of fathers, overworking mothers. I could go to the other neighborhoods. Mom and dad is there and they're spending time with their children. And we know that this can happen, too, in the black community. But by and large, it's not happening. And so the reality is, is that there's many things going on in the black community that affords for mental health decline. There's many reasons why somebody can end up going through these problems. I can relate to some of these things. I did grow up in a home with mom and dad, but I grew up in a home where dad was working more than spending time with me. You know what I'm saying? So I was longing still for the father figure in my life. The bottom line is, is when we go through this stuff, the encouragement I want to give to every precious soul is there is a way out. God can help us. God did help me and God is no respecter of persons and he can definitely help you and anybody else. And so I hope that people can take just this little bit of time we've had, yeah, you yeah. know, to just kind of see like, hey, be of good courage. It's not over yet. Yes, life can be tough. Life can be rough. But God has promised us the new life, which was my greatest encouragement. Yeah. My greatest encouragement, Loami, is to know as long as I live in this earth, I'm going to have battles. Again, all who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution, whether it comes in spiritual or human form. But the reality is, is that Jesus says, hello, I'm coming to make a new heaven, coming to make a new earth. And in that place, there's not even crying. So if there's no crying, I'm sure there's no anxiety either. There's no depression. There's no mental health decline of any sort. And so that's something that we want to encourage people to hold on to is that the climate and the atmosphere of our world speaks to the fulfillment of prophecy, letting us know Jesus is soon to come. And this should be encouraging to us. This wicked world that we live in, that we've been reminded again very recently through the most recent atrocities, we're reminded that this world is really wicked. The world is wicked. And so as a result of that, by God's grace, let us look forward and play our part in doing what we can to help usher in that new world, that new heaven, that new earth that Jesus has promised to establish if we can be more about his business. So, you know, that's my encouragement that I would give to our listeners and just to say, listen, God's not through with you yet. You know, you hang in there by God's grace. You're going to rise above it because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I have because today, brother, I got a sound mind. When I hit my head on my pillow, I go to sleep in a matter of minutes or mm. seconds. Um, when I sleep, I sleep throughout the night. 
my heart rate at night is down in the low 60s. No anxiety, no up, no speedy heart rate. Um, I have health, thank God. I have good thoughts. My environment is much better. My walk with God is very firm. And life's good. Life's good. And, you know, and I thank God for that, man. So I want to let people know you can go through the darkness, but God can really deliver you. Brother Lemon, thank you so much for your time. To everyone who's watched, uh, hopefully you guys gathered. There was a wealth of information that Brother Lemon uh, has shared. Um, if people want to follow you, Brother Lemon, is there any website or uh, YouTube channel oh, sure. that you want to share to, to the public um, that they can follow you on? Absolutely. Our, our website is PTH Ministries. It stands for Preaching, Teaching, Healing. So PTHMinistries.com. And if you go to YouTube, you can subscribe to our channel. And it's Dwayne Lemon, PTH Ministries. So just Dwayne Lemon, PTH Ministries. Subscribe to the channel. We have a ton of programs that are coming up. We just invested in some equipment and uh, we're just getting ready to get just a little bit more, some cameras, and uh, we, we're going to be rolling. Yeah, and no, so I, I can't wait to put in work. I, I saw this behind the scenes. I'm like, man, when this brother comes yeah. out, he's coming out hard. So, uh, <laughs> but brother, let me honestly, Dwayne, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and, and the information the, and the practical steps that we can uh, combat mental health with, especially within the black community. I wanted to do this because I want to let people know that you're not alone, that, you know, no. with somebody like yourself who I respect uh, uh, greatly and who I receive a lot of counsel and, and advice from to hear that you were going through the same struggles as I was going through, helped me overcome my battles. And I still battle with it, you know, but it's, yeah. but it's, it's the steps that I needed to take in order for me to really deal with this thing head on. And I want to let everyone know that you are not your struggle. You are not what you are struggling with, that there is hope that you can become a new creature in Christ and that there are steps that you can take in order for you to truly be new in God. So brother Lemon, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, so everybody yeah. who's watching, hopefully you guys gather some, um, some blessings and some practical pointers on how we can come back mental health for yourself, but most importantly, how we can uh, deal with this issue within the black community. So Till next time, God bless everyone. Thank you.